Happy July, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. What? Was it Happy Independence Day? Not for well, you people. It'll it'll probably be about that time when this this episode goes live. So, yeah, fireworks. Yeah, pr- appropriate. We get a lot of jubilee fireworks in this this uh, episode. So, Happy Fourth of July and summer and. I don't know. In July, do a lot of British people turn into like intergalactic pirates? Is that like a theme we can run on your end? I wish they all kind of. They might all sound like um, Chamber, um, I suppose. But other than that, it's <laughs> <laughs> a heat wave here at the moment, so they're on we're on a different planet. It feels like so. Yeah. What, what's, a, what's a heat wave like? Twenty-four degrees Celsius for you guys. It was 29 yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, so, I think it's like high 20s, 20... Because it was like a massive eco-demonstration in the city I'm in, because like this is the hottest year. Like, we're not supposed to be having like 29 degree <laughs> like, days. Yeah. I... <laughs> but, um, we'll all burn alive at some point, I imagine. Um, oh, and, you know, we can get that on on the show and uh <laughs> use that use that to uh get some more listeners that'll be fun yeah when i'm in my little ice shelter or <laughs> cooling tank or whatever <laughs> but anyway but uh this week we are covering we're, we're back from the age of apocalypse and we're covering our regular books we've got excalibur number 16 exiles number 17 and gen x number five and Dan, um, I gotta say, we had we had a good time uh, last uh, episode talking about uh, Gen Next. Um, you know, it was a a mini series that really felt like it meant something, and we got to learn a little bit more about the characters. Unlike uh, another Age of Something book that is going on currently, uh, that shall not be named in this this podcast. Um, but we're returning to our regular characters, and it feels like. You know, a great, great bunch of books last week and a great bunch of books this week. Uh, I'm just super excited to talk about these with you. Hi, right, it's, it's like a returning home. It is. It's, um, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. beautiful. One thing through line is um, the artwork is great all the way through. Yeah. Um, so and I suppose we should start with our um, awesome homage to the Excalibur and, uh, and its cover which is just a great homage to the whole John Carter from Mars and the um, the Burroughs books of Yonder it is old day. It, uh, with Nightcrawler and his um, princesses harem of women yeah basically <laughs> I love how scantily clad he is and how swashbuckly he looks and the pose with the, the other sort of pirate queen on his on his hip and I, I love how Phoenix is like kind of upset that she's not the star of the issue here. And yeah, and Kitty's just a little concerned, maybe because she's riding backwards on some sort of monster. Yeah. <laughs> but this is yeah, this is a gorgeous cover. Yeah, it's really fun. It really like it feels like a really nice palette cleanse coming back from Age of Apocalypse mm-hmm. to be like, booyah, we're back, we're back with Excalibur and it's crazy wacky cross time caper. Um, and this time, listeners, I'm reading it physically, and it's on old school paper, so it's awesome. It looks so much nicer. It looks so much nicer than digital. 
Hmm. Um, so, because this uh, collection is like old school um, comic paper rather than oh, like brand nice. stuff. So it's quite quite nice to put together. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably one of my favorite covers. It's definitely one of my favorite Nightcrawler covers of all time. Oh yeah, because um, he just looks like a badass blue He-Man. Um, <laughs> and I love it. He does. He really does. <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. But yes. Um, so jumping in, we've got our normal creatives. Um, the script, the plot, and the pencils are done by Chris Claremont and Alan Davis, which makes me feel like I wish Claremont actually drew something in here. I know. <laughs> I was like, has he drawn something? Um, we've got Paul Neary on as the inker, um, to- Tom Wazichowski. Yes, we go. And we've got two colorists, actually, Glynis Oliver and Mike Watchwitz, which um, explains a lot, actually, going through the book. Because I didn't realize, I just saw Glynis's name and was just like, oh, it's just Glynis. And then I was like, but this, some of this doesn't, this, some of the color works are a little different here. Yeah, there, it so. is. It is. Explains yeah. explains a lot, and so previously on our cross time caper, our plucky heroes were gonna go home after their previous adventure, but uh, Phoenix and Widget um, merged energies somehow, and they went flinging into some unknown sort of direction, and we pick up the story with a woman. A hooded woman retelling um, the tale of the warlord uh, to a group of aliens in a bar, and it's extremely epic. And because the disguise has been used before, I'm like, is it Kitty or is it Rachel? Um, but we don't know, or we won't find out anyway. See, I, I had visions of this being Destiny in in some some way, like telling this story. Oh, it totally could be. We'll hopefully we'll find out later. But um, yes, yeah, so we start with the, with her telling the story of some pirates attacking a royal ship, and um, our pirate queen, um, I forget her name all the time, Kimmy Kim Kimry, um, is fighting. They've got just normal names, but you just jumbled up the words. Typical Claremont um, and Julie. I feel like it's like Kim and Julie. We just decided to put the words together. It's <laughs> <laughs> the two different ones. And so um, the pirates are jumping in, and um, a massive flash of light happens. And our resident German uh, drops in. And I must admit that this sequence of events is brilliant to me because it is pure swashbuckling cat. He jumps in, sees a bunch of pirates, decides that he has to save the princess because that's what Kurt does. And he uh, uses Zacrobat skills and his tail to swashbuckle his way out of the situation um yep and just the two panels alone and the final panel where he's just stood there with, with his tail sword resting on his shoulder and him looking so happy with himself i was just i was like yes i'm so happy to be reading excalibur again as i was reading so, this this morning i you know when i prepare uh reading i take a lot of screenshots and, and post it on our, our twitter so people you know, have a like a preview of what we're going over, and I sort of give my live reaction. And this is one of the panels uh, that I, I I threw up there, and I just love it. I love how acrobatic he is, and it, it felt like very classic. Where after a whole bunch of action, we got the zoomed in panel of Nightcrawler's face, and he's like 
smiling to heaven and he's all excited to be in the action and it's just like so nightcrawler uh i i love this page so much yep and then he's confronted by the um pirate queen herself and she's like you have to best me in combat and he does it easily and then this really nice panel of him holding uh the sword of his tail to her throat which i thought was really nice because alan davis is knocking every panel out of the park mm-hmm. with the with intro it's intro and so um He's all got the Pirate Queen uh, at his mercy, but she's like, you fool. And then he's knocked out from behind because lo and behold, the princess may not be all she seems to be. And so we cut back to the um, storyteller and she gives us a quick recap of what has happened to our heroes. And then um, I love these aliens, by the way. Um, Like one's drooling on another one's head. I think that's... (laughs) Like it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. Because Davis they, is just like, I'm going to town with all these crazy designs, and you're going to like it, and we do. Exactly. And then what I really like about the next color um, work is we move to where Kitty and um, Rachel are, and they're in, like, a smokehouse, but it's black and white, or black and gray, mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so such a really nicely lit and colored set of panels, and all it is is just them hanging upside down. But it's just so well done that it's just just simply watching them both hang upside down in a meat locker is gorgeous to look at, which is insane. Um, I don't want to say this often, but you wouldn't get that these days. Um, that's what I'm saying. Probably wouldn't get them hanging up in a meat locker, to be fair. No, um, and I, I love that. I don't love, but it was it's noticeable that once again, Claremont finds a way for Kitty to lose more of her clothes. And we start off with the boots. And she'll lose a little bit more as, as we progress. But it's like every issue, he's like, how do I get Kitty in like skimpier and skimpier clothing? Because there's a moment where she's in a, Isn't she in it? Because the way it's colored, you could mistaken her bottoms for a thong. Oh, yeah. One panel. Oh, yeah. It definitely could be. I, I had to, I had to um, re-look at it like three times just to make sure that it isn't like a 15-year-old in a thong mm-hmm. um, laid on, on the floor. But I love the fact the callback to the fact she was possessed by a demon ninja. That was like it like it's com it made me smile. It's like they're having mm-hmm. like a comedy like there's a great comedy back and forth between them both. And on this magical magical mystical planet, they don't actually have their powers. So um when the cook turns up, which is this fantastic looking sort of four armed red monster Pokemon type thing, um, with giant blades, when he turns up uh Rachel's all like gung ho but gets knocked aside since Kitty has to deal with it and this series kind of hasn't really highlighted the fact that she's a trained fighter by Wolverine and, and such forth mm-hmm. it's nice to see that she um, takes him out but unfortunately taking him out means that she shatters the um, roof of the place they're in and all these other monsters, monsters which all look like Lockheed um, which later we find out they're dragons they all look at Kitty and she's like oh great what's going to happen here um, but she just carries on fighting the chef and beats him to mulch. With one of my other favorite panels, is her doing a high kick into his mid his stomach. Oh yeah, there's some really nice physical. Always Alan Davis and physicality is like it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. This issue, because to be fair, he's sort of his physicality has been slacking lately because he hasn't been given the material in the last issue, couple of issues. He's been given more comedy to draw. So it is quite refreshing to see him do some like simple old school superheroic 
fighting. Oh yeah, but there's also a bit of like comedy within these these you know three panels in the middle of the page as well. Definitely, he's still got his comedy charm, and um, so that leads to them getting surrounded by these dragon people. But um, no one liked the cook apparently. So they were really happy that they beat him up. And after a ceremony, um, Kitty yet again loses some more clothes. And uh, I love that she's like, aren't you uncomfortable (laughs) in these clothes, Rachel? Because they are skimpy. Yeah, they're given like like female warrior clothing that is very, very skimpy. It's it's like, um, what's the the comic magazine in uh, 2000 AD? It's very. Uh, was it metal? What's what's the one over? Heavy it? metal. Heavy yeah, metal. yeah. It's like heavy metal. Very like crazy, sexed up, like space pirate designs. And, and Rachel is like totally at home with it. But Kitty's like, Jesus, do I have to? Why why does Claremont keep doing this to me? <laughs> exactly. And um, then the we cut to the storyteller and the aliens are asking about what about the other people, um, Alistair and Megan and Captain Britain. And she's like, I'll talk about them later, but it's time for Nightcrawler to wake up in a bath. Um, and so he wakes up in like a, a small tub, no, a small like pool. Um, and the Andrew Lee, the queen or princess, um, who is wearing a cloth, um, essentially, gets in the pool. And I generally thought he was about to get a blowjob, but um, she kisses him instead. Um, she's probably more, more. PG than what my mind was going to mm-hmm. Um and so she kisses him and they seem they clearly I'm sorry but they've clearly slept together there's like no doubt in my mind Kurt got his end away on this alien planet oh yeah there's um, a there's a moment the storyteller is it later on in the um uh oh did we miss it there's there's a part where this no it'll, it'll come later on but the storyteller really goes into Angelie's talents and uh, it's, it's quite hilarious yes and so after um, fun in the bedroom or in the pool um, Angelie is going to be having a nice little drink but the servant drops a tiny bit on her hand and she doesn't seem impressed Kurt licks, sucks it off her mm-hmm. charmingly apparently I don't know if that would be charming and then the servant is told to go away but Kurt noticed that he's like terrified of her and then she just carries on fondling him in bed and um no more mushy stuff is what is declared on the next page by one of the uh patrons that are listening to the story they just want some action so we cut to alistair in the desert world place which everything's ruined i love how in this book in this series the the men are constantly like the ones in trouble and it's always like helpless and it's always the women that are saving them and once again here's alistair like running through the desert being chased by monsters and who shows up like kitty and rachel to save him it's like he's always in trouble and he's always getting like pulled out from the flames in the nick of time and i do love the fact that they don't have lockheed with them but they have like a a stand-in for lockheed who's like a knight Mm -hmm. which i thought was a nice touch and so, yeah, they all get cornered, um, and everyone's upset. And then they, they hear a giant roar, and all the bad guys run away because some sort of giant tentacled Kufalu monster um, decides to just appear. And it's actually from a spaceship, and um, it takes them all away. And then Cat's uh, waking up after however many times he's um, had his end away. Because... Um, 
I mean, Kurtz, Kurtz, Kurtz he, he works out a lot, and he's, he's, you know, he's got stamina for fighting, but a, a man can only do so much before, before he's drained. But he decides to um, go and follow Anjuli, because she's off running away, and she, he, he mentions that um, her guard has horrible skin, or is, like, disgusting, which then he's like, well, I can't really talk about appearance, can I? And then um, he follows him down to the dungeon. He sees that the um, servant has been imprisoned and possibly far worse. And then from behind him, he's grabbed by none of the the, the pirate queen. Um, he uses his tail to knock it, like pull her down, and they have a little chat about what's happened. And we find out that um, Kimri's dad ended up dating and Julie, and then he sort of vanished, and all magic has vanished from the world. Because he's getting sucked somewhere else, and um, everyone's just like, "Oh, this is uh, like they're all invested by this time in the story." And um, our pirate queen and Kurt fight their way out. Kurt decides on the way to um, get a quick costume change. And, well, I, I um, love it. Yeah, it's great. It's just brilliant. The idea that he just because he was fight, he's basically fighting like a, a toga at one point, and then he's. Um, he just costume changes into a full-on He-Man-esque with a cape uh, costume, and it, then it they fits go him with... so well. Yeah, and this is yeah. right before he gets in the uh, the change of costume. Here we have the storyteller talking about you know Cart with the with Anjali the princess, and you know how they're like why you know why wasn't Kurt able to resist her? And, and the storyteller is like, well, in all fairness, it should be noted that Anjali was um, the best there is of what she did. So the... Uh... <laughs> so many hormones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we end, we sort of like get to the point where our heroes find a cavern, which is the giant monster, and all of... Well, we haven't heard anything from Captain Britain, Lockheed, and Regan, because they're absorbed in the giant monster's brain. And the rest of our team are all in its tentacles. Um, Kurt jumps to save his teammates rather than help Anjali. Uh, the Pirate Queen jumps in and um, wins the day. Finds out that the sort of servant that she's got near him is actually her dad. She gets all upset. Kitty literally kills her, I feel, is what just happened. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, by accident um, the Pirate Queen sort of kills her father uh, because he's the one that's disfigured and uh, Anjali had him sort of under under her spell and she's so upset by it that she can't really concentrate what's going on so when Anjali goes to stab her in the back Kitty shows up with in, in like her 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 warrior garb and, and stabs the queen in the back who falls off a pit and sort of just unceremoniously dies <laughs> and Kitty does not look like distressed about it at all she's just like I did my duty yep and so Kurt's thinking to himself, because the thought bubbles begin, um, that he's got a really good plan, because there's no magic here, but all their powers are possibly... Because they've all been touched by magic in different ways. He thinks that what she should do is feed something that the creature fears, and he seems to fear Rachel, so he literally lobs Rachel into its mouth. Which um, is just the greatest plan. Um, which ends with the creature's head getting really big and a giant explosion... And then we just have the storyteller being like, oh, the story's not over. We're having a brief intermission. Find out what happens next time. Yeah. 
<laughs> just love, hmm, I'm not sure what I should do. Uh, oh, hey, Rachel, I'm going to just throw you in the mouth of a monster. Uh, yeah, I have a plan. It's, it's totally my plan. So uh, here you go. <laughs> Rachel looks terrified. Like, she literally looks like, this is, like she's been betrayed. I know. <laughs> um, right, so my, my massive pluses for this is that it's breakneck. Even though it's got like a, the framing device of the storyteller, it just never slows down. Yeah, um, it feels like a, a like a true, like it's not just homaging. It's like um, it feels like it should be like one of those true old old nineteen twenties adventure tales that you could find. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And um, cats, cats funny. The the Rachel and Kitty stuff hijinks are kind quite lighthearted and spirited, and the art's just kicking it all up a notch because all the colour work's really well done and I think Alan Davis's knocks it out of the park as always but specifically with like the action sequences and the mon- the Kufalu-esque monster at the end and just some of the balmy stuff like throwing Rachel in just makes me chuckle and smile so much so it feels like classic Exc- Excalibur to me and I'm extremely happy that we managed to get I didn't even realise this issue was I thought this was going to be like this issue was like two or three issues later but I'm so happy it was now. Oh yeah, this is wonderful. I mean, you kind of said everything that that I would I would say. Like the pacing was was wonderful. You were engaged the whole time. It's like Kurt is allowed to be fun and and like brave and 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 uh, just you're you're kind of jealous of him. You're like that's. I wish I could be Nightcrawler. Not not just because he's like getting it on with sexy princesses, but he's like. Uh, like the epitome of like an action movie star, you know what I mean? In in this in, yeah. in the best way. And even though it's it's kinda tropey, it's like playing with the tropes in like an honest way instead of using them as a crutch uh, to tell a story. So I, I really enjoyed, you know, the the space pirate, uh, John Carter of Mars, Conan esque kind of tale we got here. It was it was just like a lovely read and you know, even though some of the other characters don't really get much to say in in the book, I, I was fine to let Kurt sort of be the star for a while. Yeah, it's nice because he's he sort of slunk because he wasn't really the star. He hasn't been really in the forefront that much recently, so mm-hmm. it's nice to have him front and center. Yeah, this was um, this was great. I I do I feel like there's there's some great color work, and then there are, there are pages of panels where it doesn't quite feel the same. Uh, it no. feels a little bit more sort of stock. Uh, you know, Glennis Oliver has a great way of using like lighter shades uh, of a palette, like a light light greens and light blues and light pinks and something a little bit more pastel to help like flesh things out. Where some of these panels are just like, well, Nightcrawler is just blue, so we'll just make him blue with like black hair, and you're like, okay, this is sort of just like paint by numbers sort of coloring uh unfortunately but it, it's not awful it just feels very standard which is maybe the only drawback of the issue yeah i think i i'll agree with you there that um you can definitely tell the two different colorists apart um and it does it does but the thing is for me it doesn't inherently no uh, damage no 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 it just kind of is there it's it's not like 
oh no, it's this color. It's now it's bad. It's like oh, it, it's it's still great. It's Alan Davis, um, mm-hmm. but the coloring's just not like five star. It's like three star, and you know that's fine. Fine. Yeah. Well, uh, I really love this issue, and I'm looking forward to the next Excalibur issue. And I have a feeling it's going to be Captain Britain focused. Uh, looking at the cover, and it looks crazy. It does look crazy. I think um, it is a little crazy, to be honest. We've got um, enough. I think everyone gets an issue to themselves in the Crosstown Caper. I think it because it goes on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm I think issue 24 might be the last of it. I can't remember. Oh, that is um, a while, yeah. So, but we'll see. Everyone gets some sort of highlight. Cool. At the end. So, Alrighty. Yes. Well, let's move on over to Exiles number 17, where uh, the cover is probably the worst part of the whole issue. <laughs> and this, this cover, Dan, is like a very square image of our our heroes uh, with the big exiles in a black banner on the top and like an empty black banner at the bottom and everyone looks sort of like oddly shaped and morphed in a weird way and the coloring is actually pretty meh here I don't I don't like this color cover at all no and weirdly enough it's the image they use for the back blurb <laughs> of my collection but it's because the image is much bigger on the back. They've stretched them out a bit, so oh, they look a little. It actually looks better stretched out than it does in the um, <laughs> non-stretched out version, which I don't know what to say about that. But, um, I don't know what yeah, they've I'm done not... to, to Blink's head here. It's like weirdly misshapen. Yeah, why is it in like a almost like a little? It reminds me of um, is it Madame Mask? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, what a weird shape, and then she's got a really manly jaw. As well, mm-hmm. um, I'm not a massive fan of this cover. It is just a generic team shot, but it's not. Sometimes you can do really fun team shots, and but more often than not, they're just utterly generic. Yeah, this is so, generic and boring and bland. And l- luckily, the rest of the issue isn't so like forgettable. Aye. All right. So uh, jumping in, let's see if I can get to the uh, credits page here. So we have Judd Winnick as the scribe, as I like to say. They have uh, Jay Calafiori pencils, Eric Cannon inks, Transparency Digital Colors, Paul Tutron doing the letters, and Mike McCone cover. And, yep, that's a Mike McCone cover, all right. Um, I know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we start off in a whole new world because that's what the Exiles do. And we have Kurt Connors. in this this world sort of doing experiments and we get the you know the general backstory of how he became the lizard um and this is a kurt connors who was fit before he became the lizard this is a scientist who did not skip the ab workout at all no um he is he is ripped yes um he doesn't have a six pack he has like a four pack and those like four abs are just like monstrously huge. Yeah, like you could kill someone by throwing their head against them. Yeah. <laughs> so we we get you know the the general story of how Kurt lost an arm and he he's tried to use some lizard DNA to uh, help him regrow his arm, but unfortunately it turned him to the lizard. 
and uh, when he becomes the lizard, he sort of loses all humanity, all intelligence, and this led to him in infecting his wife and his kid, and they all sort of infect the rest of America. Not not everyone, but there's like a plague of people turning into lizards. And these first couple pages, I think, are really excellent. Um, who's who's doing the is it Califiori doing the pencils here? And I think yeah. um, the the color work for the lizard is is excellent as well. And he, he looks like the scales are so perfectly shiny and, and gross, and he looks creepy and scary. And uh, I, I love how the panels are, are laid out on the page. It's actually might be maybe one of my favorite issues artwork wise in a long time. Yeah, I, I love the fact that it feels like a horror. Yeah, story. like science gone crazy with the idea that um, he infects his wife, and then they and his child, and they like team up to infect the neighbors, and then the whole bloody neighborhood, and then that really creepy idea that the the hybrids can lay thirty eggs mm-hmm. a day, and then like, like every month they can lay thirty mm-hmm. eggs, and it's just like, oh, everyone will be dead in lizard food. Um, and the final panel of him, like, snarling at the moon is really nice. Yeah, I, yeah it's really beautifully done, the whole thing. We find out that because of this, they've erected, like, a wall uh, against California to keep the, the lizard out, and they've got, like, laser gun turrets on it. It looks very futuristic sci-fi. Um, and this is the world that the Exiles have jumped into, and they are fighting somewhere in California, uh, a bunch of lizards, and uh, it's kind of a generic fight page, but... You know, Morph is dressed up like Peter Parker, uh, Spider-Man, with uh, the mask pulled up so you can see his face. And I, I just love that little that little nod, because, of course, Morph would want to be Spider-Man when he's fighting the lizard. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say the color work's really nice, but I still don't understand what they're doing with Sunfire's energy. Yeah. Or any of the energy, to be honest. They still have that, <laughs> that problem with the digital coloring for any of the energy blasts going on. It looks They're, they're still working out the details. It's like looking, you ever look at, uh, you know, Toy Story 4 just came out, so everyone was, was talking about the first Toy Story, and you look back at the the CG on that, and it looks really rough. Uh, I mean, it is like 30 years ago or whatever, but it looks, it looks it's, it's hard to look at now. That's what I feel when I look at these energy effects here. You're like, well, at the time, this was probably amazing, but 20 years later, this is not holding up. Nope. <laughs> not really. Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of fighting going on and Morphs being a, a wise ass. And I love that, um, you know, sometimes uh, the writer on this book, uh, Judd Winnick, can be a little bit too wordy. But he's able to, like, step out of the panels and just let the artwork uh, tell the story here. And we get a nice couple of panels of, uh, you know, Blink smacking a lizard and Mimic using his laser eyes and... Them doing almost like a, a fastball special where Sasquatch throws Blink up into the air and she uses her her Blink uh, metal discs here to, to teleport everyone out and it's a nice nice couple of pages of just the team being a team. It's weird that it seems so alien a concept. <laughs> um, and then uh, we get uh, the word bubbles, lots of word bubbles, and uh, the. We have. I love that Morph is in sort of like a safari outfit with the the most craziest facial hair you've ever seen. 
Yeah, the great white hunter. Mm-hmm. I do like. I, do, I know there's a lot of words, but I do like the fact that we get a little bit more about like what's astral. I know it's like a silly thing that she can smell what they eat, mm-hmm. and like. But I like the fact that she throws throws away the sort of um, uh, TJ sort of. They're just lizards that will eat people, and she's like, actually, the the habitat seems quite nice, and this is vegetation, and they clearly are herbivores. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. Oh, She's a scientist, and we haven't really explored any of that yet. So it was nice to have like some more, ironically, more character time than Sunfire's still gotten. But um... yeah, it's. I mean, we had that one. No, that was a TJP. No, we had one issue with Sunfire talking about her, her parents growing up, and we had one issue of TJ going over her relationship. But yeah, Sasquatch is the other one who has had zero character development, and really hasn't featured in the book at all since she joined the team. Just kind of in the background. But this next two pages are... Like, I generally was like, I want a Heaven Morph miniseries. I think they'd be hilarious together. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's quite uh, expertly drawn. Uh, Morph is in uh, a Tarzan sort of... Uh, what do you call it? Outfit. Leotard? Yeah, leotard. There we go. Like a leopard print leotard. It's all, like, ripped. And he's, you know, hitting on Sasquatch. And she's... It would be like really gross if it wasn't for the fact that he's really never has the power in any of this. Like he's he's always hitting after these women, but they're firmly in control and like easy to like toss him aside and sort of jab right back at him with the jokes. So it's 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 like fun and playful, and it doesn't quite cross the line into like, Yuck. you know what I mean? I do love the snuggle time moment where he's dressed as a monk and she's just smiling at him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And even even TJ gets in on it. Um, uh, You know, he's like, you know, I'm I'm just trying to get with some of the ladies on the team. And TJ's like, what about me? And she's like, I know you're trying to uh, respect my morning period, but you you don't have a chance. And it's it's just like fun. I really enjoy it. This is like the comedy half of the issue, and I just really enjoy the the playfulness between the the characters here. Yeah, where he runs more runs after um, Sunfire, telling him to je- talk about Jennifer Aniston and such form. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I can morph into, I can shape shift into anything. We can make this work. Whatever body shape you need, I can be there for you. And she's she's not having any of it. And even Blink's like enjoying this, but for some reason, mm-hmm. Mimic is is unhappy. And I, we're not really sure why. He's just upset. So he and Blink sort of have a, a little argument here, and uh, which leads to uh, maybe the worst panel in the page of just like floating heads of Blink and Mimic just being upset at each other. Yeah. The art just sort of like dip a little bit. I don't understand the whole blue background and just their like yep. sort of buzz. Not such at all. a weird choice. Like, did he just not want to draw the background? I don't know what happened. <laughs> or the rest of them. <laughs> he, he may have yeah. run out of time. I don't know what what happened here, but that was that was odd uh, for me. But it highlights that Blink is really taking over the leadership of the team. Is is sort of being able to adapt to the situation, and, and Mimic is having more and more trouble dealing with like these these different universes that all seem like they're, they're falling to hell. And he just, you know, he comes from the best timeline where the X-Men are like heroes. And it's, I think it's, it's slowly wearing at his, his psyche here. Um, 
But they know that um, in this universe, there's a bomb that's going to go off and destroy like all of California. So they need to stop it. And the bomb is in San Diego Bay. And when they get there, they see sort of like a sinking battleship. Uh, and they're like, well, that's kind of weird. And they notice that there's a rowboat that's been tied to this, this ship that's, that's sinking. And they realize they need to get in there and find out what's going on. Um, and just as they're about to go, more lizards attack. And Blink's like, no, we need to all go together. And Mimic decides, like, no, they can handle this. We need to go in and, and stop this. And this dude is having, he is, like, all, like, blunt, angry business. And I'm starting to dislike him. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> it I makes, just hope they, go ahead. It does make, it makes sense. Because he's been, he's tried to be jovial. And now it's just, after killing people that used to be his friends, in this timeline, it's it has slowly worn him down, and he is a bit aggressive. And I feel like it's just chipping away at him until he's just gonna break. Mm -hmm. But they they teleport in and they run into Kirk Connors, who uh, somehow has been able to heal himself from being the lizard, but he's sort of trying to atone for his mistakes and his rage to blow up you know half of California to stop the lizards and. You know, Mimic does his best to, to talk him out of it. And and for a moment, you feel like he may have reached him. But uh, Connors decides that even if I can't blow up uh, half California to stop the lizards, I can sort of end this for me. And he uh, he kills himself. And it's it's a sad moment. And you f it's it's a little heartbreaking for Mimic because you feel like he's, he's actually reached this guy. It's going to be a happy ending. And... It, you know, another happy ending is is snatched away from him, and I think he loses a little bit more of his of of his soul here. Yeah, it's very telling with the. I quite like the dialogue of um, uh, you did everything you could, and he said, "I know that's the problem." Mm -hmm. As I tell it by way, and it's quite a nice sort of progression in his character arc through this. Mm -hmm. that it's just everything he tries in his reality, he would have been able to talk him down, probably. Right. Whereas, yeah, it's just like, nope, not at all. And so, I, yeah. I sort of blew through the, the story here. I mean, there's not a whole lot that goes on, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's very straightforward, and the panels, there's not too many panels, and not too much dialogue. You're just sort of taking along the journey of the story. And, you know, I, I want to see the emotional moments in the sub really come across well, like the, the heartache and pain that Connors is going through, and sort of mimics seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, and about to smile because he's he's reached him and the, and the horror on his face and the sort of how he sort of loses loses everything and, and goes very stoic at the end it's it's really well done I you know we've gone we've had our ups and downs on this issue but I feel like artwork wise this is this is on the high end here for exiles yeah I think it manages to um portray all the emotional beats it needed to and because the book's this issue's more of a character driven one than a plot one mm -hmm. I think it works like the way it's done works really well um, I think it's just like all that humour and then a really like sort of gut punchy downer ending Yeah, kind of really works really well it's, it's, it's quite it's, it's probably the most sophisticated the book has been in a long time um, yeah, I, I agree. Like um, this, this felt like another standout issue for Exiles. 
Yeah, that's true. Weirdly enough, um, my um, uh, Alexa on my tablet keeps answering your questions. Um, <laughs> just, just constantly saying it. I don't know if you can hear it. Which randomly just started saying, I can't connect to the internet, so I'm having trouble doing what you want. And I'm like, oh, well. Good for you, Alexa. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I think it was a strong uh, Exiles issue, for sure. Um, I think it... Um, moving forward, it, it means that like Cal has a lot more development going forward, which is always right. good. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, like, unfortunately, some of the, the female members on the team. Yes, um, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's interesting because Excalibur really focuses a lot on the female characters, and Exiles focuses really only on Cal and Blink. <laughs> and, and everyone else is like, I mean, if, if they're the A tier, and then um, Morph is like the B tier, and then everyone else is like a D tier. Like, they even skip a tier. They're like barely even there, unfortunately. Yeah, Morph is... Morph is um, I don't... Because like, they do all get focused on. I just... I'm having a hard time remembering when that is. <laughs> well, we're at issue 17. Um, it's it's kind of past time that some of these characters got a little bit of screen time here. But I think they do know whether... Um, if you look at it from the perspective of Winnick and then Marvel itself, it does very much feel like this is Blink's. Blink was a standout star. In, oh, yeah. Yeah, know, this is her book. And, and this is her book. And then I think Winnick is like... Um, I really enjoy because I really enjoy Morph, and I I'm loving what I'm doing with um, Mimic. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you read his um, Outsiders book, the one where he has Nightcrawler and Metamorpho, Metamorpho was essentially just Morph, the mm-hmm. same character. Um, it's a morally grey team uh, that strike villains before they do villainous things, and. Um, the conflict that Mimic is having inside himself is the conflict that uh, Nightwing and um, Arsenal, Red Arrow, whatever the hell his name is, they have as, as together as who should how they should proceed. Right. And um, you can literally see the parallels in the two teams of who's who. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's as well for his writing style or just that he has it's just just at that because they're, they're, they're written around the similar points in time so maybe just at that period of his writing he just wanted to write about like morally grey um, scenarios and putting heroes in them um, but yeah it's it's an, it, it's an interesting read to read that alongside say Exiles just to see the character similarities mm-hmm. that's a good point but um, I feel like there is a he wants to tell a story with TJ, but I don't think he's he's given himself an opportunity to tell a story with TJ. Or, or maybe the editors at the time were like, we don't really, they're just part of the world, you know, they're, they're, they're part of the team, it's fine. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, Blink was like, I mean, I was quote-unquote guilty of this, but she was my favorite character from, from Age of Apocalypse. And I think the fervor for, for her having more more books, more issues was, was there, so... It could be the editors being like, you know, focus on the fan favorites here and you can have the other characters in there, but, you know, focus on Blink. And maybe maybe he wasn't allowed to do as much as he wanted, but, um, I mean, you know, we're basically fair, 20 issues in now. We should have a little bit more. But to be fair, 
Um, we chastise him for that. We should really chastise Claremont because Megan, uh, we're oh what? yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Megan um, has little to no development, and Captain Britain hardly when he, you know, like this last issue, they're literally not in it at all. And um, and then previously like that, we come, we just literally said that Kat's not in it that much because um, he's so obsessed with getting Kitty to undress. Um, so. Oh, but I, I feel like with Excalibur, we have like a rotating, like this issue, fo- like yeah. we, had a, we had a Megan-focused issue, we've had Nightcrawler, we've had Captain Britain-focused issues where Exiles feel like exclusively Blink and Mimic and then yeah, maybe one out of every six issues will focus on another character. You know what I mean? It's The Wait, ratio isn't quite the same. This is a good segue to Generation X where, remarkably, I'm going to say this, Lobdale somehow has managed to squarely focus on most of the characters each issue. Yeah, it's great. Because um, I know a lot of I know Lobdell gets a lot of stick for his X Men work, mm-hmm. um, but like as we're about to see, like he manages to deal with multiple layers of the team without breaking a sweat, which is mental. Yeah. Well, not mental. It's just how a book. Oh no! It, it's it's really it's expertly uh, scripted. So, I mean, we can move on. I mean, Exiles is great. I think uh, as, as as we mentioned, it was a, an excellent issue, uh, especially for yeah. that series. And we can move on to Generation X number five. Now, before we get into this, um, I want to point out that um, we're reading this. Uh, we have collections, and we're reading on Marvel United. And the way that uh, are unlimited, and the way that that service works is. Sometimes annuals or like minis won't be listed under the main heading of the book. So we missed the Generation X uh, annual um, and we're not planning to go back and read it because I, I flipped through it and it doesn't really you know, have any meaning to the, the characters. I, th- I want to say it's written by someone else and the art is definitely someone who uh, it'll hurt your eyes. You don't want to watch you want to read that that issue so we'll be skipping that annual it's um i don't i don't know what they did here um but we're moving on to generation x uh issue number five uh returning from age of apocalypse and we have a cover full of apples here dan yes we have apples on the floor and a giant apple where um jubilee m and skin is still on with a sink just sort of below them and the titles all in like a banner and then you've got those like placards with their names on it um and it's kind of like a weird it's just weird because like in the background the background is white but then there's like this one stripe of checkers which is blue Mm -hmm. then you've got the gen x logo and it's uh big time in the big apple and it's just very apple and orientated and everyone's just happy yeah, it's a nice palate cleanser from like, hey, everyone's dead in the previous Generation next to, hey, uh, we're just kids having fun in the Big Apple. Yeah, there's a mysterious wide-eyed child to the um, left of the pe- left of the cover. So, yeah, I f- to be honest, I quite like this cover. And, and weirdly enough, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah, this issue. I instantly knew what it was. Oh, me too, me too. Because um, much like the cat cover... Of Excalibur, I instantly knew what issue it was because it, for some reason it has ingrained itself in my mind, mm-hmm. probably because of the apples. So yeah, we um, start with like um, 
I want to say it's like a curtain behind them. It's like one of those old school, like, sort of, you yeah, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Ken, like Looney Tunes, sort of. Exactly, Looney spotlight. Tunes, yeah, with the, the title right above. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, Dirt Touch That Dial, and we have our creative teams, um, um, which is Scott Lobdell, bleh, Scott Lobdell and Chris Bacalow as Creation, um, which is, I was like, Creation. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Buckingham as Inca, Richard um, Stikings and Comic Craft as Titles, Steve Butchelow and Electric Crayon as Electric Color. Mm-hmm. And Bob Harris is changing channels. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. And um, we have good old um, Jonna just flicking through American TV. Um, <laughs> he says Ruddy Telly. <laughs> I've heard people say Ruddy Telly before. Um, so it's kind of uh, loved that I actually get that one right. Um, <laughs> Might have to do like a comparison between Lobdell's British mm-hmm. uh, language and Claremont's and see who's more accurate at one point. Um, so he's clicking through the clicking through the telly, um, and it's not working. At first, I thought it was the electricity was his, but it's not. Um, I gotta say, I opened up this page and I was just like blown away again. I was like, oh yeah, we're back from from Age of Apocalypse, and this this page is breathtaking. The one where the double page spread or the the, the first page. Oh yeah, the double page the spread page. with like all the smoke and electricity coming out of the the TV with all the junk food around the couch and all the details and the panel layouts with with uh, a gateway sitting on top of the VCR. It's 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 amazing. I just, I, I love the fact they have fish. There's some like fish in a in a in a boat in oh, like yeah. a, a fish tank background. But yeah, I mean, so John is like um, upset because someone's. For, fucking about with the TV and it ends up being Gateway who teleports on top of the TV. I love how Bacello, um makes Gateway so expressive mm-hmm. constantly. And um, so while they're flicking, they land on Beavis and Butthead and Gateway is not impressed. And then um, for the first time, I don't know if forever, ever, but the f- he actually has a conversation. Right. Telepathically with Jono and he's talking about um, he should go see page because she needs comfort because um which hasn't been said in the main title but she has contracted the legacy virus yeah this is so this like, came up in x-men prime which was like the big like one shot of we're back from age of apocalypse so this is where all the character books stand at the moment uh book uh, yeah it was revealed in there yeah it was um and so Jonah goes off, and while Jonah's away, he sneaks on Beauty and the Beast, and he's well happy with himself. So, um, then we cut to New York itself, um, and there's an Apple store, which gets the connection to the apples on the front cover, and Jubilee's bought a nice little apple for penance, and I love this Jubilee at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, she's really petite and happy, and just generally like drawn really well um it's really hard to describe um other than it she looks amazing and then um she's knocked over by the thing oh i i screen grabbed a bunch of these and threw them up on twitter because i love bakula's jubilee um i love we've talked about it before that he doesn't like sexualize any of the the, the child characters at all um where no. if, if this had been someone else jubilee would have been like scantily clad with like tits out to high heaven 
um, and just like sex is oozing off the page. But here she's like a teenager, like a little bit awkward and like detailed, clunky clothing, and it's it's so it's so wonderful. Um, and I would love to see uh, a Jubilee thing uh, miniseries, like you talked about Morph and Sasquatch having like a mini. I'd love to see. I think Thing and, and Jubilee playing off each other would be great. It would be certainly interesting. I do love how big um, the thing is. And I love how it's just like a simple cameo because they, they've gone to New York and it's full of superheroes. And then um, she's trying to protect her apple and it's fine. And then the giant um, crowd of fans run past her and the poor apple's just broken. Um, I like that one of the crowd members has a Generation X hat on. A uh, Gen X hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. I think it's very nice. And then we have this moment where I think it's the first, the second time um, M has become catatonic with little to no explanation why. Um, she's just staring at the statue and they need to go to see Miss Frost at um, the Frost Corporation or whatever it's called, headquarters. And I love the panel of them trying to push M, like all three of them, because there's M skin and sink there and they're trying to push her over. <laughs> she's not moving yeah she is not moving <laughs> it's great they're putting some proper effort and obviously with her being indestructible and super strong there's no way they're moving her at all unless she wants to move and I adore the fact that Jubilee tries to move her by just insulting her oh and yeah then, <laughs> because that because that doesn't work she's like oh we can't do it um, and before they leave um, one of Skin's old LA buddies because um, he's literally called Buddy turn up and Skin threatens him um, to like not to, to make sure that everyone thinks he's still dead basically by putting a t- one of his fingers down his throat um, in a really interesting scene which adds layers to what's happening with Skin you know why does he want everyone in LA to think he's dead and mm-hmm. when's that going to come back and by everyone in the ass. Yeah. Sort of I, thing. I, I love that he gets a moment to shine here. I love that um, Sink and Skin and Jubilee really come, like we've already had Jubes and uh, Sink sort of getting along well uh, as teammates, but then to have Skin join join with them. It's a nice, like the team's really coming together kind of a moment here. And uh, Jubilee sort of watching Skin go off by himself to have the conversation and you can sort of see the concern on her face. Like she's been a part of a team before and she knows like how important it is to be, be there for people's backs. So it's, I just felt like, Oh, this really, I mean, we get further on, we see Banshee and Penance like doing stuff and you're like, Oh yeah, the team is really, it's, it's coalescing in a really nice way. I really like this simple where Sean's trying to communicate with Penance with different languages, trying French this time. And the, the um, panel of her on top of the fridge is just gorgeous to behold. Like, the color work and the shadow work on that is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because as, as love... the kids are out in, in uh, New York going to see Miss Frost, Banshees stayed behind to try and you know, communicate more with Penance. And we see them in uh, the Biosphere training facility. And, like, I love, once again, all the detail, the butterflies all around, the different books and the different covers and different panels showing the angles of... of you know, the different perspectives of how Banshee's looking up at, at Penance, but then Penance is looking back down at her and how they're seeing each other and they're trying to communicate. And it seems like when when Banshee comes back inside and, and catches Penance on top of the fridge that they kind of made a connection somehow, even though there's nothing verbal being said, that there's 
on a you know humanity level they've something is, is connecting between them also I love the note where it's chocolate milk for Terry Sean it's like he just dressed it to himself yeah <laughs> um, and obviously that's for I assume that's for when it says Terry it means his daughter Teresa right mm-hmm. so that's a nice little shout out visually and then we have this um, the, this limo where our, our kids are in and Jubilee's going on about being in the X-Men again and Skin's just like will you just shut up about the X-Men and then the car crashes and Skin uses a bit of his um, skin to smash the sun sunroof um, open goes out and has a look and the, the car's been totaled and the driver's been killed and um, the security guards in the building have been like erected as like in like um, on the wall with this um, knots and crosses background mm-hmm. and Jubilee is generally upset about it and then obviously she gets a boot thrown at her because she has to suit her and it's time to like do stuff be heroes even though emma t- tells them telepathically not to come and help and she's gonna go get the x-men and sean but um yeah this this page yeah. here bacala really knows how to like emphasize the gross i i you know i i don't think you liked his doctor strange series as much as i did but it was a chance for him to go into like the magical gross part of his imagination and indulge in that. And he, yeah. did, he did that expertly. And this is just a, like a precursor to, to what that is. Uh, this panel here of the, like the bodyguards stapled against the wall and the blood being used. It's like paint and like the, the gross and like vileness of it. And I, I love the panel of Jubilee getting hit with the boot. Uh, it's so great. And it's good to see them finally suit up in their costumes. Yeah, it is nice to see them in the costumes. Then for something completely different, mm-hmm. they have Paige uh, laid drunk by Spider-Man beer. It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man licensed beer. She's drunk and just laid on the pool table, just talking about how um, she's got the legacy virus. And um, I really like this scene because it's sort of... Every good textbook has a romance, I suppose. And this is the start and the backbone of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like that Jono's just he just stares at her like you're being a fool um i love that we got to see like the continuation of this or like a a further progression of this relationship in generation next how she was like so infatuated with him and it was jonathan who was more uh he was less distant from people so he's able to accept that a little bit more where here is it's sort of the, the beginnings beginnings of of them coming together, I really appreciated that, and I also want to talk about this page of, of of page laying down on the billiards table because this was like a standout page for me as like a young teen seeing, <laughs> and it's not like that we mentioned before that Bacalo doesn't like sexualize his characters, where Paige is obviously a pretty teenager, but it's not like her, her tits are out and her ass is up and she's like, hey Jonathan, what do you think? It's it's like the, the delicate, naive beauty of a girl who doesn't quite understand that she's becoming a woman yet, but like she's also in this like dire straits emotionally and she's she's out of it and it's it's all conveyed there in the in the one image. It's it's like very it can be like sexy, but it's also like you really feel for her. And and part of that is is the uh, the lettering here, which does just like a superb job of emphasizing her feelings with color and like size, 
Uh, I just I just love this page so much. Yeah, it's nice because it's not often that you see. Obviously, it's underage drinking um, in the old country, mm-hmm. but it's not often um, that you see sort of this portrayed in in comics. And that like the dialogue does a lot to really um, emphasize how she feels. Like on the next page, dead is literally in red, mm-hmm. uh, which it, which mirrors the blood from what we've previously seen. And I generally like the fact that. Jono is silent until she's like, you know what it's like when like life is unfair. And he just looks in the mirror at himself and he's like, yep. Um, sort of thing. And it's, I don't know, it's a really beautiful moment. And it really it, is, yeah. It's, it's surprising because we've already got like a couple of plots running at the same time. So it's nice to have the book go, well, we're going to have time taken out to do these two mm-hmm. characters and move on straight away to the main plot. And can we just say how great it is that Bacalo always gets Angelo to press a button in the most like finger bending oh, bizarre I love way? It. I love it every time. <laughs> every time. And it just freaks me out. Like when he does it to the person's lips. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not how fingers work. Um, but obviously he's got the extra skin for it. Um, and I do like the whole like we're walking into a trap sort of business and they don't really mind. And then we have this grotesque monster called Hemingway that tries to trash the elevator they're in. And um, I'm not a massive fan of his design, though I now understand where that weapon H creature got all of its design mm-hmm. aspects from. Um, and it's a massive monster, and Ju- like, Jubilee and Sink have this... I really like this panel where they um, go in tandem using uh, Jubilee's power. And this is before... Um, sort of, uh, the the sync started to use their powers in a different, like actually generate their powers. This is when the um, um, she he was just like firing his rainbow aura at people. Right, right. Um, and it, but still, it's a lovely panel, and I like the description that one, one time in the future they're going to be the two two of the most powerful beings on earth. Um. But at the moment, their power levels is sufficient enough to deal with this guy. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jubilee does uh, amazing acrobatics and just jumps around him, sparkling. And obviously, the word sparks is beautifully rendered. Um, <laughs> These two pages. I mean, the first one, you talked about the, the tandem attack. I feel like he's a, a classic image that's been used all the time talking about Generation X. I love this page so much. It's, it's, it's like the epitome of what Gen X is to me when I think visually. And seeing Jubilee not just be like a, even in Age of Apocalypse, she was like never really able to use her powers in an effective way and was just kind of in the way of everyone. Where here she's an effective member of the team and she's, she helps with devising their, their strategy and she's all gung-ho about it. And even though she kind of gets, gets whipped here, it's, you feel like she's contributing. Where a lot of times I feel like she is thrown to the side and people make fun of her yeah and i do love the fact that she the image of her being thrown out of a window and then she's saved by skin who's like beast never i assume beast never saved you like this before um <laughs> she's like no not exactly like that <laughs> and then and then um sink ends the job because he sort of it's it's a weird it's like his power used i always thought he just synced up with people and mimicked their powers which mm-hmm. he used to do. 
But I forget that it's sort of like he can do it. It uses aura in different ways. So he syncs up the mass and strength of this dude and then funnels it through his aura. And um, I really like the panel of him just rainbow blasting him down the mine shaft, down the mine shaft, elevator shaft. <laughs> um, and then um, the weather in shadow, but his aura is still just flickering. It's mm-hmm. a really nice, mm-hmm. really nice colored. And then we get. Um, I don't think he's named here, so I won't say his name just yet. But we get the little little guy, and we find out that um, Emma was here to like sort of have with these two. With like there was two, someone called the Leech, and this little kid, and this new guy just turned up and obviously has tried to do something and get. And they still don't know where Emma is, and um, Jubilee um, takes him in his arms and asks him you know where's emma and then the kid sort of projects some sort of holographic image to sort of describe what's happened mm-hmm. or where they are and they're like oh wow um i hope someone can in- in- interpret hol- holographic projections and then we have an app giant apple and husk just like uh come back um the kiss alone ought to be worth one ninety five one dollar ninety five oh yeah um and there we have it yeah um I loved it. I, I generally do. I think it's a really well-rounded team book. The, the each character has a very distinct um, personality, and they Lobdell's managers in the script to sort of put the right personalities together to make them seem individual and work together really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, M's left behind a little bit, but outside of that, I think um, it's a really sort of good well paced um fun issue which ends with a bit of action mm-hmm. no i mean it's super gorgeous i love all the character progressions i love here at the end where you see more of jubilee's compassion uh especially with the kids which is like a through line through you know every appearance of jubilee um and i love sink and and skin and, and jubes teamwork and getting along together even the little interludes with with Banshee was wonderful. I, it's it's amazing how this is. I mean, if we include the other four issues of this, this is issue nine. Uh, but in, in such a short time, how the creators have really engendered these characters to the readers, and and how gorgeous this thing looks. Every time I'm amazed. Like we we read the. Uh, Excalibur issue, right? And like my reading order was Excalibur Exiles Gen X, and I read Excalibur. I was like, oh, that was great. Like I love a lot of the artwork, and then Exiles like, oh, it's kind of standout artwork for Exiles. And then you read this, and it just like blew my mind away tenfold. It's every time we come back to this book, I'm just like, just that gif of of explosions coming out of my head, uh, seeing all the gorgeousness of this. And it's gonna be a real shame when Bakula leaves. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle it, Dan. Well, uh... We'll just have to grin and bear it. Um, it's weird. It's, it's weird because like the artists that come on um, um, on later is like the Dodson, uh, the Dodson site uh, do the art for a long time, and I remember everyone like freaking out about their art later when I think the Dodsons were, were on um, that Kevin Smith Spider Man mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and. Um, it's crazy to think. Like I remember, X Force had uh, Jimmy Chung when he when he first started, and now he's like a superstar artist. Where oh my god, he's on Justice League. Everyone wants to read his stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like Gen X does have a few good 
decent artists in its run-up, but none really hit the sort of same level. The same can be said about Excalibur. Right, right. Um, but they're very distinctly created from that visual artistic voice. Yes. So when it's taken when it's taken away from the book, and in Gen X's case, um, both writer and artist disappear pretty much at the same time. Because mm-hmm. um, at least with Excalibur, Alan Davis sort of leaves, Claremont carries on a little bit, and then Alan Davis comes back as writer and Right, artist. right, right. Like, there's a difference there. But we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We might enjoy it. <laughs> we might not enjoy it. No, no. I mean, it's... I haven't read these issues in forever, so it's it's such a trip to, to go back through and have the memories flood in my head, but also look at them in, in, in these issues in a new way and see just how how well these creatives mesh together to create a unique voice. So it'll be it'll just be a shame, even if it's 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 interesting artwork that takes over. Uh, you know, after issue what twenty four, twenty five for this, it'll it'll just be a shame when when this this period of the book is over because it it won't come again. All right. It's very true. Hmm. But uh, anyway. that's our, our, our third or, uh, and final book of the week. Um, Dan, I, I want to say this was an excellent uh, list of books we got to read today. I was so uh, excited to read these, especially after reading the other books we read for Jason's podcast. Like This was such a palate cleanser. Amen. We we managed to have a free for free, which we are, doesn't always happen. So it's it's nice when it does. Mm-hmm. We usually get at least at least so far we've had at least two out of three books have been have been enjoyable. But uh, three out of three is is a. I think we've had a, a number of three out of three, and even for a while when we were doing four uh, books, like four out of four, we, we've had a good run of luck here for the first uh, what twenty. Uh, episodes of the podcast and uh it's just it's just wonderful to talk about with you dan yeah i agree it's been a pleasure well it is a pleasure it will continue to be one exactly (laughs) Um, which which is a kind of nice segue into an announcement that we've started a patreon campaign um and it's really cheap i think it's a dollar per month to listen to our uh extra content I think it's three dollars uh, a month to help vote on what we're going to cover and it's five dollars a month to guest on the episode um and it looks like we'll be covering uh mcu and uh, marvel movies as like bonus episodes um so uh i think you know depending on, on who joins the patreon we'll let we'll, we'll decide on on what we put out first but uh with um Spider-Man Far From Home coming out. I think that's definitely something we're going to talk about. Probably go over some old MC movies and Marvel, like X-Men movies. So uh, be on the lookout for that if you're interested uh, in, in, in listening. It's just a dollar per month. Um, and we're going to consistently put that out for as long as we have you know Patreon backers. But it's just a way um, for us to just pay for the cost of having this on the internet so if you feel like chipping a dollar, uh, that's cool. We'd appreciate it. If not, we you know love you guys just listening to the free episodes as well. Uh, you know the the comics will always be our, our main focus. But uh, if you enjoy what we we say about comics, hopefully you'll enjoy what we talk about uh, in other media as well. So um, please uh, be on the lookout for that. I think we have links on the Twitter, and we'll have links in the the podcast notes as well for the Patreon page. 
Aye. So, hopefully, um, send us money. That sounds real greedy. Send us money. Send us money. But no. no. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't, no big deal. Uh, I'm not complaining. It's just like, hey, if you feel like it, that would just you know, help us break even on hosting the podcast. And that's all we're looking for. Um, so that, there's that. And then also, uh, please uh, check us out on the podcast that goes snicked uh, with Jason Venable because we got uh, a whole bunch of, of issues coming up to talk about. You know, Dan, we, um, we covered the extinction agenda uh, with him a couple weeks ago, which was, I don't know, how would you describe that? A mixed bag, I think, if I remember. I might be like. I think I you're being be... a little generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearing out of my mind. One good issue in a in a, in a sea of nine. Yes, um, one or two good issues. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But we're kind of we wrapping up know. our uh, Age of X Men and Grand Design coverage, and uh, hopefully wrapping up this abysmal, uncanny run shortly as well with Jason. So uh, please do check us out there because Jason's uh, you know a smart, fun guy, and we we always love talking uh, comics with him as well. I um, yeah. And we um, knowing that you listen means that we have more support for going through all of these horrible comic books. Um, <laughs> if nothing else, we'll, we'll we'll dive in that grenade so you don't have to. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan. Well, this is awesome. I'm I'm so glad every time we get to to talk about comics. Um, is there anything else uh, you want to plug? Um, nothing that I can think of. Um at all to be honest apart from if you have access to it go watch the original X-Men cartoon because it's hilarious um, the 90s animated it, series yeah it, it kind of stands up but it's in like a different light is totally hilarious oh yeah like Cyclops super sassy everyone says like Wolverine was the badass but Cyclops is just immensely sassy and it's brilliant um, and Jean is still useless though she is still useless unfortunately um, yeah yeah <laughs> she just falls over there's a scene where she just, just face plants on the floor <laughs> I was like okay but it will it'll make you laugh um, for sure I think it's definitely yeah. something we'll talk about on Patreon later on and you know Dan I just thought about it we'll probably have to cover the Generation X made for TV slash TV series pilot episode um, no 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 Oh no, I have nightmares about that. Oh god, <laughs> horrible. It's it's interesting. That is definitely one way to put it. I can just remember the person who plays Emma Frost's wig. It's just that's all I can remember. It's it's weird. Jubilee's played by a white person. Um, Mondo's in there as like a main character. Um, yeah. We've got a new dude with like X-ray vision who he uses to like take a look at all the girls under their clothes which is weird and there's a girl with i don't know super strength i don't know yeah but i what i do remember liking very much is the villain uh, i forget his name uh but he just like is chewing up the scenery in like the most enjoyable way possible he's he's kind of doing a like a jim carrey impression but like turned up to 15 <laughs> God, yeah. So, if nothing else, we'll be able to laugh about that. But, you know, that, that'll that be sometime in the future. Yeah. Bless. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's it for this this, this week. Um, please uh, check, us out, uh, check us out on Twitter, Excalibros1. 
Um, I, I threw a bunch of, of images of the books we covered today. Just a lot of you know, fun, snarky dialogue on there. And uh, please interact with us. Uh, we're, we're hoping to hear from you as much as possible. So uh, from the Excalibros, just want to say thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and bye. Bye-bye.